0: Good morning, church. Oh, that that was nice and robust. Good morning. Thank you. I have the privilege and the honor of standing before you today. Hopefully you still think it's honorable by the time we're done. Um, let's, let's talk to Jesus. Let's just pray a moment, yeah? Uh, Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to look at your word, to worship together in spirit and in truth. Um, Lord, I just pray that you take the things I think I have to say and mix them with what you want to say. And I pray that we would have ears and hearts to receive what you're doing and hearts to be obedient to what you're telling us to do and that you would get all the glory and we would see your good in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. 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 Um, I love that song that we did, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior, Hear My Humble Cry. I learned that growing up. and We, we used to sing it and kind of moan it, you know, pass me not. It would take a long time. But it was, it was great, and it wasn't until I was uh, teaching ESL that I had to teach idioms, which, is, which are expressions, that I learned that I needed to explain to these millennials what call on means, because when this song was written, there were no cell phones, there were no um, phones, there, there were no numbers anywhere, no buttons. There was just, you had to actually visit somebody to call on them. And so I had to explain this to millennials because they were like, what? Why is there an on beside the call? Because you had to go to their house. And if you were dating somebody, you had to talk to the father on the road ahead of time and say, I would like to call on your daughter on Tuesday. And it was a horrible time. Um, that's usually how that, how that went. And so I just love that song because it is crying out to the savior to say, while you're visiting everybody else don't pass by me, come to my house too. So I just thought we'd start with that. Um, I just want to look at the word, okay? I don't have a lot of gimmicks or anything. I just a little bit here and a little bit there. Let's see what the text says. So thank you, Miles, for reading that. Um, and, And this text is one that I have heard ever since my eyes were at my knees and it's been so familiar to me that I forgot to really look at what it's saying. So here's my disclaimer that it's going to get real. Okay, we're going to look at what it's really talking about. Uh, First, we have Jairus. Jairus is the leader of a synagogue. He is in a region where you know, people know who he is. He's in charge of a couple things. And when we're looking at Mark and some of the other gospels, we see that the leaders of synagogues are not really liking Jesus too much. And if they're following him, they're following him to make fun of something, to nitpick at something, to accuse him, to question his authority. But Jairus doesn't have time for all that because his baby girl is dying. Okay, she is sick and she's only 12. And in Jewish customs, when you are 12, you are on the cusp of becoming an adult. So soon after that, she would have been looking at marriage proposals that would have dictated the rest of her life. And if she is, in fact, the only child, then all of Jairus's hopes and dreams are sick as well. Who would she be? We don't know. Would she become, I don't know, Anna, who was a prophetess in the temple? Would she be like Mary, who said, Yes, Lord, whatever is your will, I will do it. Would she be like Viola Desmond, who said, I'm not going to get up from this spot. Would she be like Jean Augustine? Do you all know who Jean Augustine is? I also just found out this is very shameful, but I got to sing for her yesterday. She was the first black Caribbean woman to hold a seat in our house of commons. And because of her, we get to celebrate Black History Month in this country. And so Jairus is wondering, what, what is going to happen to my daughter? I want her to live. And so he goes to find Jesus. And he says, come and lay your hands on my daughter that she may live. And so Jesus is like, bet, let's go. And uh, Jesus is on the way. And there are lots of people because Jesus is kind of a superstar. It's not just a musical at this time. And people are walking alongside him to the point where in the King James Version, it calls it a throng. Like there's just, how can we say, picture Eaton Center on Boxing Day. Like that, okay? And uh, Jesus is like, who touched me? And Jairus is probably thinking, we don't have time. We don't have time for this. And the disciples say what Jairus and me and you are thinking, Jesus, you see the people crowding against you and yet you can ask, who touched you? Hello, sir. Everybody's touching you. Jairus is probably antsy and he's wondering about his daughter, like, why are we stopping? We don't have time for any interruptions. She needs healing now. She is on a sick bed. They have to walk. Okay, now if this was me, thank you, Jesus, for making me being born in the time I was born. would have called an Uber, Donkey Express, a Lyft, something, but they have to walk there. And so they are being interrupted, and precious time is ticking by. And I was just wondering, have you ever been interrupted in your faith? You've turned to Jesus for help, and yet it seems like everyone else is getting his attention. Perhaps it feels like your prayers are bouncing off the walls what is getting in between you and Jesus? Can you even be happy for the people whose prayers are being answered before your own, or for the people whose prayers sound like your own and are being answered before your own? And so they get interrupted by this woman who I think needs a new promo package, you know, the woman with the issue of blood. It just, you know, could be better, could be better. But she's not just the woman with an issue of blood. It's not like she's those people that are just like, I can't see blood, I can't see it. She's actually been hemorrhaging for 12 years. And so let me just take us to biology class for a moment. Just that was what the disclaimer was for. Um, Just to give you some insight into what many women go through monthly. We'll break it down, okay? We have a period or a menstrual cycle, which is the shedding of tissue and blood out of the uterus or womb in a woman to prepare her for procreation, okay? That's that's what's happening. In fact, there's this commercial that I remember that is really funny, and I say it's funny because I can relate, because I'm a woman with an issue of blood, and so there's this commercial where there's this committee. They're sitting around, and they're talking. It's for Motrin gels. They're talking, and they're like, ooh, what if it felt like a shark was eating you? And then this other girl says, but from the inside. (laughs) I remember what that's like. And I was like, yep, that's accurate, accurate, yes. Um, When you are going through your monthly cycle as a woman, there can be a lot going on. You could be losing lots of blood as well as have low iron. I remember fainting in the middle of conversation in front of my brother one day. I don't know what I was talking about, but we got to an end and I hit the ground and it was dark. And that is a reality that a lot of women go through. There were no no diva cups, no conveniences that we like, that we can just go to shoppers and buy. And in that time, there was no indoor plumbing. Uh, Okay, no indoor plumbing. In fact, though, if you ever get a chance to go through Leviticus, if you just need some deep spiritual reading, go to Leviticus and look at all the laws, and the Lord in his grace and mercy allowed for a time for women to just chill out for 10 days, you get a chance to just be unclean. And sometimes if you look at the story of Dinah, there's even a book called The Red Tent, but if you look at the story of Dinah, uh, Jacob's only daughter, she gets a chance to just hang out with some of the other women in her camp whose cycles have synced together so they can now have a moment together and encourage each other while they go through this period of uncleanness. And then they get to just be clean again together. And the Lord allowed grace for that in his law. If you remember some of our earlier, um, I think it was one of the first response videos that that Reverend Nick was doing on the questions. He was talking about the ceremonial cleansing of the mikvah. And so that is what a woman in Jewish customs, and I think in some Orthodox customs, this still happens, where every two or the two weeks afterwards, they get to go through the ceremonial cleansing, which means I can touch you now. I can be a part of society. I am clean again. Okay. So that's just a little bit of what is happening every day around us. Now, this woman has been doing that consistently for 12 years. 12 years. I don't even like waiting for the light for 12 seconds. She's doing that for 12 years. And she has run out of resources. She has run out of all the energy. I I don't think her body had iron left. It was the grace of God that would allow her to even have a prayer left. She spent everything she had on medical help, and she's in isolation. And don't we know just a little bit more about what that sounds like nowadays? And so she says, she starts hearing things about this guy who's healing people. People just, you know, eyes opening, ears opening, lepers get to come into the community. And she goes to touch him. And I wonder if her iron level would say, oh, I can only touch the fringe or the hem, the very bottom of his cloak. And I wonder if her shame would say, I'm only allowed to touch the fringe or the hem of his cloak. And I wonder if her faith said, I can, I can touch the hem of his coat. I can do that much. And so she goes to touch him and Jesus responds with somebody, t- who, who touched me? And I love that the healing or the request that I need to touch Jesus for, he knows about if you need healing and you touch him, it's the healing virtue that has left him. If you're praying for someone for salvation and you touch him, he knows there's a soul that needs to be saved. Like that is, thank you, Jesus. That's wonderful. And he turns around and she's there hiding in shame because she's like, I'm not supposed to be out here. There's a lot of people. I've been unclean for 12 years. Please don't make me say anything. That's what I'd be like. Be like, who Jesus? Shh, Don't tell And Jesus makes her share her whole story. And I don't believe Jesus was shaming her. Jesus was giving her an opportunity to testify. Now, this is a woman who wouldn't have been allowed in society. Nobody would have heard her and she's a woman. So in that time, her value as a person was much less than other people. She's an unclean woman. She hasn't been to mikvah yet. She just reached out in the throng. And yet Jesus says, he sits there and lets her share her whole story. And I don't think he was trying to shame her. I think he was giving her a chance to practice her testimony. I love this, this scripture. It saved my mind a few years ago. Second Corinthians 1 verse 3 and 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort others who comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Jesus was never trying to shame her. He was restoring her to the position of the family, of God and society. He let the unclean woman touch him and called her daughter. A daughter belongs and is named and is welcomed and her pain wasn't for nothing and praised Jesus that he will recycle even our darkest days for his glory and our good and someone else's good. Reverend Dr. Diesel McGill writes the following in his devotional for the African American Devotional Bible. The envious hearts of our unsaved kinfolk, as well as others who knew us before we met Jesus, are often reluctant to acknowledge that we have changed. They would rather sentence us to everlasting sameness. They fail to realize that God is a miracle worker in adversity. Not even the plastic dance of circumstance can prevent the discriminating grace of God from healing and transforming and making whole those who have believed in Christ Jesus. I wonder if there's something that you have been asking God for, for what seems like your own version of a 12-year wait. Have you run out of ideas or resources or even faith? You once started out with vigor and hope and confidence in the word God gave you, but you're still bleeding or hurting or alone. Sometimes it's easier to stay stuck where it's familiar, even though it isn't a good place. People may recognize you or know you for your infirmity, the woman with the issue of blood or your problem. Perhaps we don't need to know this woman's name because then we can identify with her story. By the way, Jairus is still waiting. So, um, dear Jairus, Um, In verse 35, Jesus is restoring the woman and Jairus is being interrupted again, but from people from his home to come and tell him, "Uh, don't bother the teacher because your daughter's sick. She's not just sick, she's dead. So what's the point? Just come. And it seems like they're too late. Did Jesus care? Why did he take so long with this woman? Why was he still talking to her? Jesus speaks in the opposite spirit of fear and doubt, and he says, don't be afraid, just believe. In the message translation, it says, don't listen to them, just trust me. Sometimes well-meaning, compassionate, even God-fearing people will look at what appears to be dead and declare it so instead of walking in faith. These messengers were hopeful as long as Jesus was coming to heal her, but not if she needed resurrecting. You can heal people, Jesus, but resurrecting? Mm. And I know that feeling, the feeling when something is about to die, the feeling of anxiety and fear creeping through your body as you try to prepare yourself for a negative result or bad news. And I want to encourage us to consider the circles um, that we run to and lean on, and perhaps to lean on those who will have faith in the Jesus who heals and the Jesus who resurrects that which looks dead in our life very well may just be asleep. Dr. McGill goes on to say, the mind paralyzed by unbelief will never admit that the exquisite beauty of God's grace can work powerful miracles. Those who live in unbelief sometimes develop suspicions, which ultimately become conclusions. Their conclusions cut them off from God's ability to do what seems impossible in their own lives. They're on their way. And remember, there is that whole throng And Jesus hears, as he's restoring this woman, he hears these naysayers. And I think it's amazing that we can all pray in here at the same time and Jesus hears us individually. That's some real superpower. That's amazing. But Jesus then eliminates the throng and he says, Jairus, let's go. And he takes a handful of disciples. And I think Jesus was preparing a faith filled prayer meeting. He was looking to people who would be in anticipation. I think those would be the disciples, right? They've seen him healed. They're like, ooh, Jesus, what are you going to do this time? And Jairus, who is in desperate need of his daughter being healed. And they get to the house where people are supposed to be mourning because they feel for Jairus and Mrs. J. We don't know her name. I'm just going to go with Mrs. J. And they come inside and he says, don't, what is with all this? Stop. She's asleep. She's not dead. But let's look at the facts. Little girl was sick. Little girl is dead. Okay, she's unconscious. There's no more life. This is why everyone's mourning. Those are the facts. The facts are the collections of things we use for evidence. It happened. But there is truth. And truth has a name, and his name is Jesus. Amen? And truth walked in there and said, Little girl, arise. And when truth speaks, even death has to obey so that life can abound. Dr. Tony Evans says the following out of his study Bible. There is a bridge that God has constructed for everyone in the church today to move us from the natural to the supernatural. In order to move away from our storms and toward the one who calms the storm, we need to cross that bridge. It's called faith. Faith is the only bridge that will allow you to travel beyond this world and all its problems. It's the only way for you to see things in the spiritual realm. Faith is acting like God is telling you the truth, even when what you see doesn't line up with what he's telling you. And when you start acting in faith, it's like crossing that bridge and starting to see things you've never seen before. Importantly, though, you must cross over the bridge if you ever hope to tap into the supernatural in your life. Faith requires action. It's not enough to merely say you believe something. It's not enough, for instance, to say we believe that God heals people and never pray for anybody to get well. Neither is it enough to believe that God has a job for you and in the new year while you sit and wait for something to happen. Crossing that bridge, acting in faith, enables you to see what God is truly capable of. I don't know what hurts in your life or what hasn't stopped hurting. I don't know what you've been asking God for. I don't know what seemingly necessary thing has been interrupting your access to Jesus. Maybe something has shaken your faith but I do know that Jesus is able to heal and resurrect in your life and that he wants to. And for those of us who deal with worth issues and wonder if it's too shameful to reach for his hymn, he calls his children and tells us to come and ask of him. My dad and I recently fell in love with this Psalm again, Psalm 103, in the first five verses of Psalm 103, remind us of our benefits as God's children. He forgives all our sins. He heals all our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. He crowns us with loving and kindness and satisfies us with good things. This past week, I was telling the worship leader team that God's children deserve nice things. See, I found the scripture. God's children deserve nice things. We are all welcome to come we are all allowed to come to his throne. Let me pray for us for a minute. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that we don't have to be clean enough or good enough or worthy enough to come to you, and that by the power of your blood, you do that already. I thank you for the woman with the issue of blood that we could learn from her. And I thank you for Jairus and his daughter, that we can see stories like this and have hope for ourselves. God, we're, some of us are going through some stuff that is hard and hurts and is not fun. And so, Jesus, I pray for us that you would help us to name those things today. That we would trust you again where trust has been destroyed, where we would have faith again where faith has been squashed. God, I pray that we would lean into you, and I thank you for the people in our lives who would say, I'm praying for you. I'm believing for you in those moments when our faith wanes. Jesus, open our hearts again where it's been hard, where it's been 12, 15, 20 years. Maybe it's just been since this morning, but Lord, we want to say we trust you again in Jesus' name. For our reflection time, I want to do something a little bit different. I want to ask you to be intentionally vulnerable today. On the way in, you were given a Sharpie and a stone. Do you still have your stone? Yeah, please don't stone me. Thank you. Without writing your name, okay, this is anonymous, I want you to write maybe in a word or two what your request is. It might be marriage. It might be salvation of a lost one or whatever your request is, whatever looks like it is dying in your life or looks like it's been bleeding for a long time, write that down on your stone. And while Brandon is playing, we'll take some time to pray about that and write that down. And he's going to play Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. And when he starts singing, I'm going to invite you to come and lay your stone down at the foot of the cross where it belonged the whole time. We're going to lay down our burdens because Jesus came and shed his blood, hung on a tree, unclean and cursed because of sin and offered us a wash in something that would have been seen as dirty and unacceptable. And I want to make a promise to you this week. We're not just doing something cool and snazzy in church. I've already asked the pastoral staff if we can spend some time this week to just pray over these requests. And for those of you joining online, there is a Google form underneath the video that is anonymous, so you'll be protected. And as you are writing that down, Pastor Natasha is writing down your prayer requests, and those, will be added, those stones will be added to the foot of the cross as well. So let's take some time now to write our requests.